Don't test me because I'm fired up today. This is Corian. This is the Alien of the Podcast. <laughs> Nothing like flubbing it right off the gate. <laughs> Use <Yeah>. take two. <laughs> Professionals. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 334 of the O the Anthem podcast. Coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and Rob, I don't want to waste a single minute here because we got to get right into it. All right, let's jump in. Yeah. Uh, starting in Kenosha, we uh, we touched on it a little bit last week because what we had when we recorded last week was Jacob Blake had been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven times. Seven times, yes. <laughs> not, yes. not just the once. Um, and we talked about it and said, uh, this seems like it's going to be a story. And then it turned out that it was, uh, mostly because Kyle, what is it? Rennington Rittenhouse Rittenhouse. I'm sorry. Uh, I got confused by the, by the weapon. I think, <laughs> uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> Why uh, would you get confused between him and a weapon, Corey? <laughs> basically because he's just the avatar for the weapon to come to life. I feel like <laughs> people who are like, uh, people don't kill or guns don't kill people. People, people kill, kill people. people. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the person who uses the gun is Kyle Rittenhouse. So there yes, we go. Indeed. Um, this happened after we finished recording. I think it happened Tuesday night, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. And I am just beyond flabbergasted by this moment that we live in at this, at <laughs> this time where on one day with the same police department, we could have a black man shot seven times in the back in front of his children uh, we can have 24 hours of, well, he had a knife in the car or he should have listened to, to people saying stop or blah, 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 to literally the next day, the same police department, not even in civilian clothes at this point, in their tactical outfits, taking to the streets, seeing a, a, a 17-year-old with an illegal gun, illegal by the stat that he is not allowed to have it at 17 years old, open carry in Wisconsin, walking towards those same police department that same police department with its hands in the air uh and people shouting he just shot people he just shot people and the police saying get out of the way and then him being able to get back in his mom's minivan drive mm-hmm. across the state line to illinois and sleep in his own bed for the night yep and now fight extradition back to Wisconsin. Jacob Blake may not walk again. And we're talking about this kid who goes home and sleeps in his own goddamn bed. I am so fucking sick and tired of anybody who... Usually, I don't want to get into these types of specific things because uh, Fox News is just a device to help inflame the... the you? The rage. there to inflame you? Inflame the rage of uh, the far right and the, the people who disagree with the far right at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tucker Carlson going on his show and saying that the lack of... Uh, the lack of control over protesters is why everyday American citizens feel like they need to go into towns with guns to protect property is beyond the pale yes. of, of reasonable arguments to be made at this exact time. There, I think back to times where uh, there, there was some uh, situation. I can't remember the exact details, but it was uh, they, they uh, did a version of it on West Wing where a hero cop was going to be mentioned at the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. And then they did a little research on him, and they found out that, like, 15 years earlier, in, <laughs> like, an, so armed robber, in an armed robbery, he had shot somebody. Yeah. And that there was an internal affairs investigation, but it didn't go anywhere. And then they talked to him afterwards, and they're like, we can't have you as a part of the speech tonight because people are going to find out about this. Yeah. And it's going to look bad that we have you up there. And he's just like, no, 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 I'm a good cop. That was a misunderstanding. I was cleared of that. And it's just like, we can't take the risk. We can't do it. 
Uh, and it was based off of some real cop, I think, that in D.C. that was going to be a part of the State of the Union and got like eliminated at the last minute for mm-hmm. such a uh, such a reason. Meanwhile, at the real national <laughs> Republican National Convention this week, we had the two wing bats from St. Louis who stood outside of their houses with machine guns like <laughs> waiting for oh. somebody to take take foot on their property so that they could castle law them into the next generation. Like Machine uh, guns. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what they're... Uh, take this from me. I don't know what fucking guns are. <laughs> like, literally everything is a machine gun to me. <laughs> a little pistol, like a PP7, and I'm just like, oh, look at that machine gun. Hey, it's a machine gun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, this is this is a whole new world of unbelievable nonsense that we have found ourselves in at this moment. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't want to get... I don't want to get deep in the weeds. Yeah. But I'm going to get deep in the weeds. Here we go. So... <laughs> Uh, let's just cut off some of these arguments that people make already. So, uh, Wisconsin criminal code 939.48 section 2A says that you cannot use a self-defense defense if you are the aggravator and the provoker in a situation. Yes. Meaning that if you go out looking for trouble and you find trouble, you cannot then use a firearm and say, oh, it was self-defense unless you have made it abundantly clear that you no longer want trouble. Um, and the case that is used to support that is one where a guy went to start a fight, realized he was outgunned, put mm. his gun down and ran away. And then when, every, when everyone started to chase him, pulled out a second gun and shot a man. And then basically it was like, so by putting the gun down and running, he made it clear. I now no longer want any trouble with you. When they continued pursuit, they then became the, the aggressors yeah. and he was lying. He was okay to pull out his gun, his second gun, and shoot someone. So I would like to remind everybody: the first uh, police shooting that happened after Freddie Gray. Mm-hmm. I mean, Freddie Gray wasn't a police shooting, but the first shooting that happened of a of a citizen after Freddie Gray uh, by the police was Keith Davis Jr., mm-hmm. who got short, shot forty one times by the police. That seems like a lot of times. It does seem like a lot of times because, in any objective standard of how many times would you like to be shot at, I imagine forty one is higher than the number that you have you have pictured in your mind well let me ask you is 41 higher than zero it is it okay is yes, higher than zero I, it's that new math i can never yeah. tell so he was shot 41 times he is still in jail at this moment because the one charge they were able to get on him in the first was, trial in the first trial because <laughs> he's had five now so yeah. let's be clear was possession of a firearm in so much as they found a gun mm-hmm. near his body mm-hmm uh, mind you, one that did not have prints. Nope. One that did not appear to have fired. Not the same caliber uh, as the one used in the crime they were chasing him for. Supposedly, uh, there were a lot of claims that there was a hail of gunfire coming back at the police officers, but it wasn't this gun, and it was no other gun that was found. Yeah. And this one didn't have any fingerprints. This one didn't have any use of. You know, there was no gunfire residue on Keith Davis's Jr.'s hand. It was in the garage where his bloody body was found. Because he had a previous charge and he was not allowed to be in possession of a gun, but yeah. a gun was found next to his body, mm-hmm. he was guilty immediately whoa, whoa, whoa. of that charge. Be very clear here. Found next to his body in so much as they found him cowering behind a fridge. Yeah. And the gun was on top of the fridge. Yeah. Which <laughs> exactly. is some sort of uh, connection, I suppose. But I mean, like as we learned in the Gun Trace Task Force trial... 
never in the world has a police officer planted evidence on somebody, specifically a gun or anything in a situation where maybe you have fired 41 (laughs) shots on some unsuspecting person. Yeah. Um, Uh, But he's still still rots in a jail cell right now with a bullet lodged in his face that is uh, going to kill him at some point. And, and the state is trying real hard to let it kill him. Like yeah. they're fighting medical treatment exactly. to make him die. And I, the fact that we can't, as a people, understand that we have been given the most perfect, and perfect I mean an imperfect va- version of this, but it's the perfect metaphor for what so many people have been saying, that the the differences between how police operate between uh, black citizens and white citizens is no, no longer in dispute. We have you before people would say, oh, this is one solitary incident. It's not by the same police department. It's not the same blah, blah, blah. Can't compare. We Can't have compare. all the same factors that are going on here. And not only that, Jacob Blake, by the fact that, you know, the protests hadn't started breaking out yet because he hadn't been shot. Mm-hmm. These cops were wearing everyday normal police uniforms as opposed to when uh kyle was out there it was the full-fledged like (laughs) the assault version of the police department well and ironically enough uh the cop who shot jacob blake had not been put on suspension yet so he was actually still there all of the factors are there like it's literally and I, i don't want to understate what you said at the beginning this is a police department who came out in two different situations. Well, two, two of the same situations and said two different responses are the, exactly what cops should do. Yeah. And the only difference is the suspect is a different race. So yeah. what you're telling me then is when we have black people, this is the appropriate response. And when we have white people, this is the appropriate response. I mean, we, we from time to time, when trying to describe ridiculous scenarios, often bring up the, if this was a movie. Yes. They would tell you that this story is too ridiculous to put out there. Nobody would buy it. And I think that's what we talked about that first and, night. <laughs> and I don't know what else would need to be in this, this, this set of circumstances to get them to arrest Kyle right there at the moment that they mm-hmm. saw him with his hands up. Mm-hmm. There were he had a gun, right? So, yes. In his hands, by the way, as the first cop approached. And the cops like, dropped it yeah. and he let it go. But because it was on a sling, it just slung down within yeah. arm's reach of him. By the way, and if you were black, if he was black, they would have shot him because when he dropped it, it there, didn't hit the ground. Here, uh, there are people on the sidewalk chant they're saying, He shot somebody. That's this person guy. who's walking towards you. You don't even stop him and say, Hey, what went on? Because I bet you if the police officer if one police officer said, Hey, what's going on with the they said you shot somebody, I bet he would immediately be like, Yes, officer, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like it would be uh, the the second he had the opportunity to do so, he would give it all up. But he's <laughs> he's going home. Well, I also, I do feel bad for Kyle because now he's not going to get his Burger King stop with the water on the way to the police station. Here, of all the, so, uh, sometimes we, we quabble with the mainstream media. We, we, do we? we? We say that they're not quite doing doing the right job. And I, I get it, it's hard. Uh, especially if you work at a place like CNN where uh, that Sandman kid from uh, staring down the Native American elder, oh, you remember yeah. that whole thing? He sued and got a huge payout yeah. uh, because a lot of people went on the air and were just like, this fucking kid yelling racist things at the... You mean legitimate news agencies that are afraid of not putting out accurate news. Yes. Yes. So I, under- I understand why you might be a little bit gun shy, yeah. but 
I had the whole story on Twitter almost in real time as mm-hmm. it was happening. I saw the video of him getting water from the cops and them thanking them for doing the good job. I had the uh, Facebook group and the 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 uh, amplification of it by and I forgot to look it up whether it's uh, Breitbart or Infowars, one mm-hmm. of the two of them. I know was the one who like amplified this whole message. Uh, we had all of that the night of. But if you're watching live on CNN at the time, you're getting oh, there's a lot of protesting going on in in Wisconsin. We don't know what's going. We don't know specifically what's happening. Th- th- it wasn't hard to miss this kid. He was wearing a very notice or a very uh, distinguishable outfit. Yeah, like, like a greenish color T-shirt, backwards hat, face covering, like gloves. a white backwards yeah. hat with the blue <laughs> blue latex gloves. Yeah, you know. And the problem is that. I understand that you want to make sure you got the story right, but there is a there is a, a time and place where you can put footage of cops giving people like armed militia with <laughs> guns wrapped around them water and say, this looks an awful lot like that kid. We're looking for for, you know, the true yeah. A-OK that this is him. But if it isn't him, this is still a video of cops saying, hey, we really appreciate you guys coming out here and defending property. Yeah, because it yeah. started with a Facebook group that just all of a sudden developed that was saying that they needed people to show up with guns to defend property in Kenosha and people did it. And now I think it was, they said 80% of the arrests of people for being out and about in Kenosha were people who were not anywhere near Kenosha. Yeah. Like not within the immediate uh, surroundings of Kenosha. And I mean, it's a 30 minute drive from, from Kenosha to where Kyle lived. So I mean I guess you could well, make an would, argument that he was somewhat local, but I don't I don't define across state lines as local uh, enough for me to. In it's a Eastern Shore local, <laughs> not so much uh, what you might be used to. But, I mean it's it's you know Baltimore to D.C. or something like that. So I would say that for a seventeen a year old kid, if you need your mom to take you someplace, yeah. you're not local. That's <laughs> uh, can we say that that's the rule basically? But obviously, this is a developing thing. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has been identified. He is now fighting extradition from, oh man, uh, Illinois, Ohio, Illinois, from yeah. Illinois back into Wisconsin. Um, and uh, I have a fear um, that the streets of Kenosha are going to quickly turn into the streets of Portland, because. Yes. If you haven't been paying attention, uh, and I really hope that you guys have, but again, uh, Corey and I get a lot of news from Twitter, and I keep saying, you should just get your news from Twitter, because <laughs> Unicorn Riot you know, is recording live, and you see it. You know, you, here, here's the thing about Twitter. I, I'm not saying that it's the news source that you should go to for everything, oh, no. because yeah. it's fast and furious, and you don't know what is and what isn't true. But what you what you are able to develop pretty quickly is certain things that rise to the top. So uh, there can be a, a breaking story that Twitter has completely wrong because mm-hmm. they don't have the insight to accurately tell the story. But at least you are getting enough information so that you can judge whether or not – I, I like it more in the sense that Twitter is like calling balls and strikes. <laughs> like, yeah. I see something come in and I'm just like, that looks good. That looks bad. Like, And then you can start developing how the story is being told through the media, it's through so- how it's being developed on Twitter. It's more like actually being there than waiting and having someone tell you what it was like to be there. 
because you get to see stuff happen. Live. I would I would argue that it's more like something just happened and you ran up and you're asking a bunch of people what just oh, who happened. Were, who were there? Yeah. yeah, people who were actually there. Right. Know, and sometimes than, you get somebody who said like, oh, there were 15 explosions. And then you find out later it was only like two explosions. Yeah. But then you're just like. Well, he had the explosions part right. I don't necessarily have to take every single thing that he says as the word of God. But what is great is video because there's yeah. no, there's almost no arguing video. And they had they had Kyle all the way from the. I'm sorry to cut back. No, to no, this, go ahead. But they had Kyle all the way from the gas station all the way to the cops, and that was a eight ten minute long video of yeah. him shooting two people, yep. like all within a continuous cut. And and, and and not to correct you there, but three people. He yeah. shot the first one and that's what made people turn on him and then he's now claiming self defense because they attacked him. Ignoring the fact that he shot somebody, which is what made people attack him. So you the, know. Uh, so like part of the part of like the judging of Twitter thing yeah. is like I saw a lot of people tweeting and retweeting messages of like, well he was killing a pedophile. And I'm just like, okay, mm. we all hate pedophiles. Yes. <laughs> we all wish they would die. That's an easy way to turn us on your <laughs> That's side. That's an easy way to get us on your side. Let me, uh, let me just quickly uh, tell you that the way that we traditionally have decided to deal with pedophiles mm-hmm. is through the court of law. Yeah. You yeah. arrest somebody. You say we are charging you with pedophilia, child pornography, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, whatever it may be. And then we give evidence and you have a chance to defend yourself. And then if a jury of your peers decides that uh, you're guilty, then you go to jail when the judge sentences you. Yep. That's basically how we decide right and wrong in the situation. Oh, funny thing. Kyle couldn't be on that jury because he's not 18. <laughs> I Just real quick. Yeah. From the legal perspective here. And then we can uh, get back to Portland sure. real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, to finish up here. So if you are his defense attorney. Okay, yeah. Just, you know, obviously... Uh, this will take a little bit of uh, gymnastics on your part, but yeah. if you are his defense attorney and you're arguing self-defense, what are you? What are you claiming? Like, how do you how do you counteract the? He drove across state lines. He had a gun. He wasn't allowed to have. Like, where where do you uh, uh, try and separate? these two things. So equal protection says that, uh, the laws of a state apply to everyone in that state, whether or not they're a citizen of that state. So, um, castle law, self-defense, uh, no retreat. These things all apply to him, despite the fact that he may have illegally, he may have brought a gun across state lines. And actually it looks like he didn't cross state lines with a gun that someone who was there gave him a gun. So it was legally registered in Wisconsin it wasn't his. Also, being 17, he should not have been open carrying in the state because that's one of the laws. But um, I think that what your argument there is that ignoring, you have to ignore the, if he had been in Illinois, mm-hmm. he would have been within his his rights as a 17-year-old to open carry. To open carry. Yeah. So I think that you go with the, listen, you have a particular law here that doesn't apply to him at home. So- Ignoring the fact that he may have broken that law, which is a victimless crime, and I have another opinion about victimless crimes, but yeah. let's just say victimless crime, um, then everything after that is all arguments about the video doesn't show everything, that the first shooting was self-defense, and it's self-defense because we're going to put on evidence that even the first guy who was shot came at him, yeah, and then he was... He was trying to flee or trying to retreat, but the person wouldn't let him retreat, so he fired. And then that brought the entire crowd on him, which he then had to fire several times in order to escape. I mean, to be to be fair to him in in a 
whether or not I would find him guilty if I was on a jury. I think the second shooting where he's on the ground and he's shooting up at the the skateboarder yeah. could be classified as self-defense in that specific situation because it was somebody with a with a weapon mm-hmm. that was coming at him and therefore maybe he gets off on that one. Maybe that one is more of a self-defense argument. But the, it's on the first prosec- one the if, first one, depending on evidence, will depend on whether or not both those charges of murder come through. If I'm the prosecutor, though, I argue that the gentleman with the skateboard, who was actually the one who died, uh, one of the two who died, yes, um, that he was enacting 939.483 of the criminal code that says you are allowed to use lesser or equal force in order to come to the defense of a third person Mm. in self-defense. So although you may not yourself have been threatened, if someone else is threatened, you can come to their aid and essentially take on the mantle of their self-defense and use a weapon, especially if that weapon is lesser or equal to the weapon. So like if I saw a criminal rob an old lady and take her purse, yes, I can attack this guy on her, on her, uh, in her in defense. her defense, yes. And, and if take that guy shoots, back. yeah, if that guy shoots me, he can't say, "Well, that guy was attacking me. I didn't have anything to do with him." Yeah. No, he took on the mantle of of defense from the the victim, and then you shot him in the continuance of your crime. That's what the state will argue. Yeah, that yeah. The guy's coming at you with a skateboard because you shot someone already. Well, but they're looking <laughs> for the continuation of self defense from before the first shooting through the end. I imagine the the state's defense, though, is going to be largely on the idea that uh, he is acting much like a somebody who just learned Krav Maga and wants to try out his moves on somebody who picks a fight with him. Yeah. And will say things that will push the line a little bit at the bar just to get somebody rowdy and upset at him. Yep. And as soon as that first punch comes, then it's like, oh, it's self-defense at this point and I can beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And there's uh, something called the fighting words doctrine that says that if I use words that I know will incite you to violence. Yeah. It doesn't excuse the violence, but I don't then get to enact stand your ground or self-defense because I've done or said something that I know or should have known will bring the violence that I'm looking for. It's me showing up in Pittsburgh with the Ravens gear, being a total asshole and then picking fights with people. I think up until the point you pick the fights, you're fine. (laughs) But as soon as you're just, you know, uh, saying horrible things about Ben Roethlisberger, then I'm on my own. But that would only apply to Ben Roethlisberger. Oh. Because the fans wouldn't be able to attack you. For They're that not taking up not, his defense. <laughs> no, it's not a. It's not fighting words. But uh, it's uh, it's ironic that we kind of talk about that at the end because that's a little bit what's happening in Portland. Yes. Uh, and the continuing saga. I don't know if you guys have been following. You probably haven't. But Portland's still happening. Just because the feds left didn't mean anything stopped. Tonight will be the 96th consecutive night of violence, likely in Portland. Yeah. Um. They have well of protesting and to varying degrees violence. I I I am a little bit talking about mainstream media and the other the other yeah. side here. There is an awful lot of footage that is being shown on Fox News from like a month and a half ago. Yeah, that is being like violence again in the streets in Portland, which I I find a little bit uh, in poor taste. <laughs> now, and if you guys see this picture that is beside me in the YouTube video, um, these are not cops. These are protesters who have now gotten shields and battering rams and gas mask and uh, body armor and are essentially defending themselves from the police. They're getting organized. It's, it's turning into Ukraine, like 2012, uh, yeah. winter on fire. I don't know if you ever saw that documentary, but it's essentially winter on fire now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, 
important because uh, I like again the lead into this was there is a chance that Kenosha can turn into this that no matter what the exacerbating circumstances are the mayor in Portland was relatively conciliatory but the police chief just basically was like no we give no ground and yeah thinking they went into it with a mentality of war thinking we're gonna break the populace and this ain't the city to try that in yeah and they were already at this point of struggle between the two parties when uh, a bunch of Trumpers decided yesterday to roll through town with um, paintball guns that had uh, pepper bullets in them and pepper spray and tear gas yeah. and essentially find a street where there were protesters on it and roll down the middle of that street spraying people on the sides of the street with gas and with pepper spray. And uh, you made an interesting point in our pre-show discussion, which I think is worth repeating here. And that's the end result of this is that, oh, well, let me take a, an educated guess. Somebody in that little Trump train had an actual firearm with them. Mm. The next time they try to roll through town with pepper spray and tear gas, someone from the crowd is also going to have pepper spray and tear gas and hit the convoy with it. Now, having escalated to the same use of force, the Trumpers are likely to escalate that force higher and right. fire on them with a firearm. Now, they'll, everyone will run and they'll all hide because nobody wants to get shot. But the next time that the Trumpers come through, they'll be ready with guns. And then you get to the point of, is it self-defense when I see a guy with two big Trump flags in the back of his truck? And the, last, the first time he came through, he pepper sprayed me. The second time, I pepper sprayed him back and he shot at me. That I just shoot at the truck when I see it. Yeah. And is it reasonable? Or that, I, or that you know, it, the problem was that, you know, there were like, uh, they were having a caravan down the highway towards Port, downtown Portland. And apparently some protesters were trying to like take out their tires and stuff like that as they were rolling through. But like, take out oh, I know. I get I get what you're saying. But I'm saying like the they put up barricades. Yeah. But I mean, like it, it's uh, I, I think that this type of us against them is not going to get us to the place that we need to be to find lasting peace in this situation. You know, it's it's yeah. it's uh, Trump. Whether or not you will, you know, it, it can be pretty clear that his words have inspired people to take awful actions. Yes. Uh, and and he, by the way, when you're flying a big Trump flag out the back of your truck, it's hard for the president to say, listen, I don't know where they're getting these me. ideas. Yeah. I, uh. it, it's it's, you know, a, a, it's a match talking to a room full of gas cans. You know, it, it's it's just a, a moment away from. But there are three situations where that is exactly the case. Yes. Franco in Spain, Mussolini in uh, Italy, and Hitler in Germany, where crowds of people would go in, incite violence all over the place, and the leader would say, listen, those aren't our people. Yeah. I have no idea why. Yes, they're chanting my name, but that's because they like me, but they're yeah. not my people. I can't control them. I can't help it if you like me. I yeah, mean, like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Uh, which furthers the point I've made previously that fascism is here. This is exactly what fascism is. <laughs> Um, and I, somebody said, uh, I saw Facebook, somebody posted, uh, I can't wait for this election to be over so we can just, you know, um, so we can stop seeing everything on social media about all the election and the splits and divides. And I said, the civil war that's going to come after the election is going to really upset you if you're upset about the election talk because yeah. Portland, Kenosha, I mean, before that Minneapolis, Minneapolis and Kenosha are 
as American, if you want to think of it that way, as you can, like center of the country. Yeah. Portland, I'll give you. It's like Nazis and hipsters side by side. <laughs> Portland's a weird combination. Very of weird Very town. left and very right. But Kenosha, Wisconsin yeah. is on the verge of a civil war. They're sending in the National Kenosha, Guard. Kenosha, Wisconsin is a small town. Yeah. It's not a, it's not this big place that like, you know, like Portland at least is a city of several hundred thousand people. Yeah. Like Kenosha is, you know, 50,000 maybe like it's it's you know Towson or (laughs) another like small town outside of a or a a, you know near a big medium yeah like it's not it I'm just uh, where I know that this is going next and I I just feel it in my bones is that the the response to say Trump loses the election yeah and peacefully goes away (laughs) (laughs) you know <laughs> just says, ah, oh, you yeah, got sure. me. Yeah. I'll be, I'm going back to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> uh, and leaves, and Joe Biden becomes president, yeah. right? Number one, Joe Biden is not going to be the great white savior who is going to defund the police and do all this stuff, no matter how much Trump talks about it, because Joe Biden has made it very clear he's not interested in defunding the police or doing anything yep. like that. He's interested in generalized uh, equality, like doing doing the small things but he's not doing the bare minimum he's not to make prepared it he's not prepared to to say that police shouldn't be militarized or be 85 percent of a city's budget or anything like that he's not he's just not at that point again nor will he, he ever picked I, as I, a vp nor will he ever <laughs> so i mean when if joe becomes president then fox news is going to start doing all the like the leftist radical mob like they've continued to be doing throughout this whole thing this is joe biden's america blah 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 Meanwhile, people on the left are going to be antagonized by something else that will d- divide them. Yep. And you keep uh, I think people keep thinking about Joe Biden as this like down the middle choice that will unite the country and we'll all be together at the end of this, but it doesn't change the fact that if you're a middle candidate, you're speaking to the middle, to the middle left and to the middle right. The far left and the far right ha- want nothing to do with the people in the middle right now. Can and I- there are way too many th- it used to be that you would say that, you know, 20% are people who are the clear Democrats. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, far left Democrats and like maybe, you know, 20% on the other end are far right Republicans. And then everybody else is some sort of a algorithm of different political ideologies. Yeah. And I, I really do feel like the, the far extents are now taking over the fact that we can't have a civilized conversation about this because neither neither side wants to negotiate. Well, I said, uh, again, somebody on Facebook, I, the, the campaign and the podcast, the new podcast are all just making me dive into Facebook <laughs> and I don't like it at all. But uh, I said somebody on Facebook, uh, basically something like that. Like, do you know what pre- what President Joe Biden most uh, makes me think of? Abraham Lincoln. Somebody who came in saying, I'm not going to upset the status quo here. I'm just trying to keep things moving forward. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm this party, but I see your point of view. I just want to keep us all going down the middle. I've been, and uh, Lincoln said, I've been an abolitionist before. I want to protect the rights of states without slavery to be able to not have slaves. But I'll also respect your right to continue having slavery. But the people on the fringe in the South said, no, no, if we elect him, that's that's taking a stab at everything we stand for. Yeah. And the fringe now, based on what we saw at the RNC, is saying the same thing. If you elect him, you are electing a, a huge leftist who is going to divide this country and we're going to have to make a stand. And 
It's exactly the same situation. We think of Abe Lincoln as the great emancipator, but he wasn't. He literally was like, I just trying to keep this train rolling on the tracks. I'm going to keep it exactly where we are and keep it going. He was forced when the States left, he was forced to be like, all right, well war, I guess emancipation came three years later. We, you know, it's funny. We, we, we put all, uh, conversations about like political fighting in the, in the perspective of the civil war. Yeah. Because it was literally states versus states. But if you really want to talk about it, the, the, the great curse of American struggle is not the civil war as much as it is the reconstruction that follows the civil war. Yeah. Figuring out, I mean, it's more or less to some degree, it's been a 160 year project to get this thing all put back together again. And we still haven't done it. And uh, you know, like, well, listen, I told you, I have the solution for that, Corey. (laughs) I know you do all meet in Dallas. We're going to form a line, a skirmish line all the way across and just burn everything (laughs) from there to the Atlantic ocean. I think that'll be a solution. (laughs) It's not a not on the rundown, but a just a fun fact. Uh, the University of Alabama showed mm-hmm. 400 positive cases of coronavirus mm-hmm. as uh, some students came back onto campus. Uh, that is more than the entire country of Canada had on that same day. Nice, so, nice. Just a thing. Just well, a thing. Listen, I, roll we, tide. We've been comparing Joe Biden to to Lincoln, and I just want to say that at least we have competent leadership in the White House now who mm. would never do anything to inflame domestic tensions by you know being told by senators and congressmen and governors and mayors do not come here and saying no i'm gonna go there anyway <laughs> fuck it <laughs> yeah it's uh here's the thing we were also talking a little bit about manipulating the president and this is where they got it wrong the mayor of kenosha the police chief of kenosha senators congressmen the governor of wisconsin said yeah. mr president please do not come here the thing they should have said was, if you don't come here, I don't know. Uh, it's an emergency. We need your presence here. We need your greatness. And then we've been like, eh, tell me how great I am. And he wouldn't have come. Like, it would just been like uh, any other thing. But they said, don't come here. And Trump said, screw you. I'm going to Kenosha. Uh, which will be sure to, you know, keep things off of the Portland track. I'm just, I'm so fucking, this whole thing is just. A, a new shocking low. I, I, you know, when, uh, so we talked about it with like the Portland mayor yeah. or no, was it, it was Minnesota when he showed up at mm-hmm. some event, uh, trying to calm down the tensions post George Floyd. Uh, and he came to an event where he was talking to the protesters and they mm-hmm. were like booing him and get like, get the fuck out of here. Unless you're going to defund the police. We don't want to hear it. And, Somebody threw a shoe at him or something like that, or a bottle or something. A bottle, yeah. 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 But like a Coke bottle or something. It's like water. That. It's just a water bottle. A water bottle. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, hit 10 feet away from him or whatever. But immediately the crowd turned and said, not here. This yep. is not what we're doing. We will yell at him and tell him what we think. Do not start that shit here. The same thing happened in Portland. The, the, yep. the mayor apparently has an apartment and <laughs> a bunch of protesters stormed the lobby and would not leave until yeah. they had redressed with the mayor. Uh, these are, these are ways to protest without being violent. Mm -hmm. Uh, if Trump were the type of person who could show up to a place like Kenosha and talk to people like, you you remember when hurricanes used to hit and presidents would go to the place and like sit down on a cot next to somebody who just lost their house. And like, you would have this picture of George W. Bush sitting next to somebody who's lost it all. Throw, throw some paper towels in their face. Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) That? Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. Show up and be like the kind and like, 
you know, like, I'm so sorry for everything that happened. We're doing everything we can to fix this and, you know, be the the uniter and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. There's no there's no way Trump shows up at a place and it becomes easier to get (laughs) to to get to a solution. You know, no, it's just. Uh. (laughs) It's so so beyond angering. And like you said, trying to. Uh, manipulate a presidency. It used to take hundreds of thousands of dollars and craft work and spies and you used to have to split your spies amongst the 10 people who might become president so yeah. that you have the inroads on all of them. Like Watch the Manchurian have- candidate <laughs> and see how difficult it is. You got to catch a guy when he's 30 that might yeah. become president. Now all, now all it takes is Nancy Pelosi. I swear to God, she might as well have just said wink, wink when yeah. she made this statement going like, well, I don't know if Joe Biden is going to want to have debates with Donald Trump. Like, he just might not have a single debate at all. Like, it's just like it, it, it was. It, I I saw it from a thousand miles away. I was just like, oh, she's trying to bait Republicans in the mm-hmm. worst way I've ever seen possible. This isn't going to work. It and worked. Then guess what happened? It worked. <laughs> it worked. Fox News blew up. Yeah, like fucking Tommy Lahren just tweeting out like you know like oh fuck this bitch trouble <laughs> trouble destroy Biden in the debate whatever it's like. You it, it's I've never seen somebody so easily, not even just the person, but the the mechanism by which they operate so easily, like dissectable. Yeah. And if for whatever reason we had, you know, competent leadership on the Democratic side, perhaps we could take advantage of this. But it's it's unbelievable. Like, but here's the thing. If it doesn't work, I got one more piece of advice. McConnell is literally the only one who has any sense of tactic or. Oh, yeah. No, anything and, and anywhere. The president in the doesn't listen to him, so it's not going to work the opposite way. But <laughs> he listens in as much as when McConnell says, hey, I don't want to be a part of this. He's just like, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're Democrats, I got one piece of advice for you. Yeah. Uh, if Pelosi doesn't work, go with AOC, because if anything's going to bring him to a debate, it's <laughs> AOC saying like, well, you know, Trump. He can't really debate. So it's, uh, you know, he doesn't want to get on stage because it'll look foolish. And then he'll f- get up on stage and say, like, well, you know, AOC said I couldn't get up here because I look foolish. And he'll be like, Mr. President, your zipper's down. And he's like, <laughs> so I don't know why. <laughs> See, I, what what I don't know, I, I know that the Democrats are trying to take this from a place of decorum and we're not going to reach their level and stuff like that. But you know what the thing that seems to irritate Trump the most is? Is when you when you land a really good jab at him. Yeah. Like notice how all all of our nightmares started when Obama eviscerated him at the at the uh, correspondence dinner. How that started it all, and like now he's going to be president to show us and shit like that. Like at this point, just you know, fucking have AOC call him bitch tits or something like that on the floor of the house, and just Please. Like, Please. just let it let the show start because he is going to unravel so fast, and there is no. I, I get it. I get it. The, I do believe in the, they go low, we go high. Yeah. But at some point, you got to just say, I'm going to step off my high horse. I don't have to go to their level, but I'm going to step down and give them just a little, a little jab. But I mean, like, you go low, I go high is me and you are having a conversation where we disagree. Yeah. You say it's red, I say it's blue, right? And we're going back and forth and we're, we're saying, oh, no, it's definitely blue because of this reason. It's definitely red because of this reason. And somebody else comes in and says, you both are crazy. It's a potato. And we look at him and th- there has to be a point where you just say, like, you're not allowed to be a part of this fucking conversation because you're not even involved in the base level of what we're doing. Here. We don't like, do that. We don't do that. We, we don't. We acknowledge the fact that this new person who came in and said potato is now part of the argument. Like that's not that. 
this is ne- you know it, before fringe views like ex- ex- expounded by crazy people was laughed at and dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> like now it's well, and now it's leading the eight o'clock hour on Fox. Speaking of the problems with mainstream media, that's the other thing with CNN. They are so afraid of not seeming like they're balanced and that yeah. we have somebody in. There are some things for which there's only one opinion and you don't need to go find fringy Mick crazy and bring him in and put him equal to Dr. Fauci and try to explain how these things are. Di- no, there is no argument. This is the science. That's it. And Fox news still running with the fair and balanced nonsense with just no semblance well, of balance whatsoever. I so, mean, it's, it's like a, a while back we talked about Richard Spence getting punched. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Blaze, blazing constant rotation in Rob's head. Uh, <laughs> the better days. Mm. Um, but, I mean, like, the, the argument there is, you know, like, he doesn't deserve to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. So. Although now I'm down with it. Because <laughs> when he says, like. This whole right wing thing's over. I'm like, let's listen to Richard Spence. Let's see what he has to say. (laughs) Richard Spence saying he's voting for Joe Biden is the most on brand. (laughs) Like, I need to get a news story written in the history of the world. Um, But no, the the point was, you know, when when Rob and I argued about that, the argument was, is Nazism so bad or the, the white supremacy so bad that you can't even bother to have the conversation? It's just immediate violence. Yes. And then I said, I said that. No, that doesn't need to be violence. There needs to be the, we are not listening to what you have to say part of this conversation. We don't do that. We, we need to jump straight to the violence. I know where you're coming from. I'm saying that the the two reasoned arguments here are either we are going, to, you, you can either ignore it and say we're not going to pay attention to the crazy person mm-hmm. or you have to fight back upon it. Those are the two choices in which to respond to somebody who does it. So while I don't agree with the violence part of it, I acknowledge that there's only two ways to do this. So, and only ways one way is gonna work. Um, all right. So, uh, I guess we, I don't want to harp on uh, news out of uh, uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin because I don't think we've talked about Wisconsin as much since what's his name was governor of it. Um, Walker. Yeah, yeah, Walker becomes governor. We forget about Wisconsin, and then cops got to go shooting people in the back, and we start talking about it again. But. Um, don't don't worry. November's coming. We'll talk about Wisconsin again. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, like it's Game of Thrones. Like winter is coming. <laughs> we must go back to Wisconsin. Uh, but uh, again, because the, at some point we're, you know, it, we we could have talked about it during the Wisconsin primary because it was one of the first ones that happened like post COVID mm-hmm. hitting. And it was a spectacular shit show. Of, yes. uh, unlike we, anything we've ever seen before. And it will be again. I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure that not only will that repeat itself in November, but we're going to get a whole new run of like, Oh, just the day before the election, just 90,000 people <laughs> eliminated from the voter rolls in Wisconsin. Surprise. But not that story. Instead, this time we're going to be talking about sports ball. So I guess it's uh, not really sports ball. It's sports related. Well, I mean, we're it- talking more about the players than we are the playing the game. Well, I mean, it's in relation to Jacob Blake here because uh, – some truly uh, outs- uh, amazing things happened just this past weekend with what was happening in response to Jacob Blake from the NBA and other sports leagues. And it mostly started with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the home team for <laughs> uh, Jacob Blake, if you will, um, being the Wisconsin team. Uh, By the way, I forgot Milwaukee was in Wisconsin until this. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I just uh, added that part in. I forgot it was Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm like, Milwaukee, that place where the Brewers and the Bucks play. Wait, shit, that's Wisconsin? Oh, my God. I thought it was Milwaukee, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, uh, they, uh, the, the Bucks basically had a moment uh, before their game against the Orlando Magic started where they were like, uh, none of us feel like playing because this is... Uh, we came to the bubble. We we thought that we would have we we were given opportunities to speak out on the issues that are bothering us. Uh, they've been allowed to have black you know Black Lives Matter is on the court. They have certain things that they could put on the back of their jerseys that uh, denote some sort of respect to you know say her name or Black Lives Matter or whatever. The certain messages have been approved. Um, but the Bucks sort of unilaterally without talking to the union, talking to any other players, doing anything like that decided we're not playing tonight and the magic uh had the chance to accept a forfeit get the win get the win yeah uh and said no we're not playing either and then that sort of sent off a uh a bunch of different teams saying okay we're not playing either uh we had the the moments where where eventually it was 250 players or whatever in a room hashing out how they wanted to handle this which again don't Take it from me. Having a conversation with five people yeah. is sometimes an impossible task. If you get two hundred, if you get a wedding <laughs> amount of people together, that's a uh, that's a completely different. Okay. I remind you, I uh, that was basically uh, Occupy Baltimore. This a bigger group of people. Yeah, and I said, hey, this is really easy. If you guys like the things I'm saying, just don't talk. Get the floor, cede the floor to me, and. That's it. Just I'm going to continue to say the same things. If yeah. you don't agree with me, you don't have to see the floor. But instead of us all voting, just say, I got the votes of 100 people, so I'm going to speak, and then I'm going to make the vote for 100 people. And that got me kicked out of Occupy Baltimore because <laughs> I, I created political parties <laughs> within the movement, and they didn't like that. So I'm, know, just, I, I'm just so uh, – I'm very, I'm very happy that the, that the Bucks were able to do this and that, the, that it didn't set off a huge – problem with the players union or the owners or anything like that and we have seemed to have come to some sort of agreement at least between the nba players and the ownership a lot of things regarding uh using arenas as voting sites and stuff like that which is great um and we'll help with social distancing on election day yeah so. because the, the, much easier to social distance when you're in the staples center yeah rather than the elementary school that's right. four blocks down <laughs> yeah. from the staples center exactly. so yeah um and to be honest, that probably should have been like that the whole time. Like, uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> funny about that <laughs> because it's such a you know, like we pay so much for these arenas and stuff like that. Like, you know, I I grant that some of them are private property and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if you took the the Rams' new stadium in Inglewood, mm -hmm. which is uh, I not I don't think is going to be a voting center, but you know, could be I guess. Uh, Listen, but, Rams players. I uh, mean, Stan Kroenke bought the arena or paid for the arena. Yeah, he paid billions of dollars to construct this thing out in the middle of Inglewood. Uh, but you know, the city of California probably certainly did give him some tax considerations to. Mm -hmm. uh, make it a little bit easier like hey listen you don't have to pay the taxes for the first 10 years but then after that we're going to start collecting this yeah, will you give may you have a chance us, to may have heard us talk about tiffs before they're very yeah. popular so or vertical integration as opposed to horizontal integration so you know the the rams are responsible for putting the building up but mm -hmm. the state is responsible for or the city is responsible for building out amongst it mm -hmm. so railways and stuff like that uh regardless i i think that 
they did more by not playing than they would have if they played and then sent messages at the end of the game because they have been the NBA players have been all over this. Uh, the WNBA too, which also canceled games, mm-hmm. and had players taking knees with uh, t-shirts where they had seven bullet holes in the back. Yeah. Uh, the WNBA don't fuck around either. <laughs> They've been right at the forefront of all this. By the way, if you're looking for the most progressive league you can find, I was, they were the doing WNBA. stuff before. Yeah, like, yeah, when, yeah. The, when the NBA was like, "You pull this stuff, and we're gonna sit you." The WNBA players were all together when, like, when they were when they were giving stern warnings to LeBron James for wearing "I can't breathe" t-shirts yeah. before uh, during warmups. The WNBA was just like, "Bye." <laughs> Black bands on the jersey, just like no, no, no. We all already talked about it. Who's all of you? The all the all the players. Literally right? all the players in the, the league. We're in a text group. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, we we have an organization like that. We just reach out. We get it all. It's done in seconds. Uh, and you know, baseball, hockey, uh, football teams canceled practices in regards to this to discuss you know what they wanted to do with social justice going forward i think that it's it's a a great moment for sports uh to help elevate the conversation i worry though eventually that the owners are going to start negotiating in uh terms of wildcat strikes and stuff like that because this happened because the owners have to be very accepting of all this because it looks uh, awful if you're going like fuck these guys they should be playing like it just makes you look very out of touch if you are that person. So, I uh, I think that it's great. I, I also feel like, you know, maybe if there wasn't basketball for the rest of the year, that would send more of a message. But, you know, there's there's limits to how much you can, you can pull this without uh, making substantial problems for not only you but maybe your union or fellow yeah. players and stuff like that and and i was gonna say that i think the other thing is a responsibility of like we want to draw awareness that's why we do it but also this is a source of entertainment in a world with not so much entertainment especially right. for a lot of their fan base this is what they were looking for yeah nba finals you said the uh the oj chase happened during the nba finals and now the nba finals are part of that story it's like these the, the finals continue no matter what's really going on in the world and the fan base really wants them. So you don't want to disappoint your fan base because the MLB learned in 94, it yeah. takes a long time to get back when you disappoint the fan base. Uh, but I think it was enough that they, I think some teams took off two nights, some players took off two nights, some took off just well, the there one was, night. There was, uh, so I think what the, the NBA players eventually came to was like, we need to have a discussion with the owner or with the league and the ownership group to, uh, sort of get some things on paper right now before we start playing again yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so, we're not going to say, we'll go back and play, and then we'll talk about it. It's like, yeah. let's go talk, and then yeah. we'll start playing again. We'll have a quick conversation. It's not going to be like, you yeah. know, a, a big, huge deal. But And I mean, granted, you know, the, the, the owners, you know, I, I'm not trying to paint them as these awful, evil, you know, bureaucrats or anything like that. They, I mean, I will, I'll pay them as that. That's fine. They're donating $300 million, which is not no amount of money, towards mm-hmm. charities and towards causes, which would greatly affect uh, after. A, a move towards social justice. After that conversation. No, no. Prior to. Was that before? There was, there was uh, I think it was 200. Uh, they upped the ante on okay. it. Okay. But yeah, it was I, like, I saw the story, it was so. a substantial amount of money prior to okay. this uh, conversation but you know it but that was you, also think, to get the, the players to come play in the bubble as well right it was part of the negotiation for this season 
Uh, that might have been the case. Yes. I don't remember exactly like when things happened specifically there. I feel like it was but, like, come play in the bubble. We're going to donate a, lo- a bunch of money for social justice. And now they're like, oh, shit, now we have to donate money every time something happens. But I mean, like that, this- might, that might get the change. <laughs> if we can get the oligarchical class to be like, you are costing us too much money. <laughs> every time you Trump's- kill somebody, we got to donate more than hundred million dollars. <laughs> Hit them in the pocketbook. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't concerned when it was people dying, but now that I have to give out millions of dollars that I have lying around, <laughs> that I would never be able to spend before I die. Yeah, uh, I like my pile of rice. That's uh, how it works. <laughs> but um, I think that's it for. Uh, well, one, uh, one last, uh, yeah, just uh, quick two quick points there. Uh, Major League Baseball also did yes. uh, their walkouts. The The Brewers started it as well, being the Wisconsin team, mm-hmm. to remind Rob of where Milwaukee is. Yes. Um, and then uh, I, I liked the, the moment in New York with the Mets and the Marlins where they mm-hmm. went to the field like the game was going to start. They stood for 42 seconds in honor of Jackie Robinson because they were going to celebrate Jackie Robinson Day. Yeah. The next day, put a Black Lives Matter uh, T-shirt on home plate and then left. Yep. Um. And, you know, it's tough. Like, I I think that the teams and the leagues are finally coming around to the idea that uh, there's no stopping players from having opinions and having, <laughs> like, the, the days of shut up and dribble are gone. Like, that's yeah. just not part of the conversation anymore, I, nor should it be. I was going to say, I got to give it to, I am sure that there are players who do not support that message politically. Yeah. There are Trump voters amongst the leagues, and... Maybe we're, we've switched from shut up and dribble to shut up and walk off with us. Yeah. You are a player. We are players. We are doing this. I am surprised that in that walk off in the Marlins uh, Mets game that not somebody didn't just stand out there for the national anthem. Like, <laughs> no, I'm with the president on this one. I <laughs> also hard to do that when you shoot somebody in the back seven times. But I'm just saying, you yeah. know, it's uh, still the. I wouldn't put it past. I know people on Facebook who would just be like, no, 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 no. You guys don't, you're not getting it straight. You Sorry. don't understand why Trump's so great. Uh, and then the one last thing, just getting out of here. I'd just like to say uh, farewell to the, the Orioles that have been traded on this trade deadline. Oh, uh, Miguel I Castro. That story. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, Miguel Castro, Michael Givens, and Tommy Malone were all traded. Um, but, you know, so it's weird with the COVID season yeah. here. Uh, technically only the 60 players who are on the roster and the expanded roster mm-hmm. are players that can be traded for. Okay. So there's a lot of player to be named later trades that are going on right now. So the Orioles pulled off the, the trade for Miguel Castro got us Kevin Smith from okay. the Mets. Who's a, a, like their 12th ranked prospect. So he was in the bubble. So we hear about, or he was in on the expanded roster. So we, so we, we could we hear, hear about him being yeah. traded. But when uh, Michael Givens was traded, we heard about two players and a player to be named later. Right. So hypothetically, the two players who are coming this way from the the Givens trade are two good high prospects because they're in the expanded roster. And the other guy is they know who it is. Somebody he's not in that expanded roster. So therefore cannot be a part of a trade. Somebody until the season. Yeah. 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 Or whatever. (laughs) Right. Colorado's Delmarva. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But. You know, it's it's always sad with trade deadline day because sometimes you get new players who make you excited and sometimes you're getting rid of guys that have been with you for a while. And Michael Givens and yeah. Miguel Castro have been people who have been with us for a while and uh, wish them the best. And uh, 
uh, as uh, Michael Elias was saying, there'll always be Orioles to us. They they always have a place for. They're always welcome in this town. You know. Most importantly. How did this affect the odds on the Orioles for the World Series win? I would say the the two weeks of not winning that much did more to the odds of the Orioles than uh, uh, anything. That I'm glad I didn't make that trip to Vegas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's a hundred bucks. It's, it's the <laughs> it's risk. Nothing. It's all. It's, it's nothing. No, it's just the. It's like yeah, yeah. I mean, I could walk away with a million dollars. I mean, yeah, I mean, technically the odds have probably gotten better. So true. Uh, but the likelihood has <laughs> gotten not, worse. Not better. Likelihood is not better. That's yeah. for sure. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's sports ball. And I think speaking of things that have not gotten better, uh, the RNC, uh, yeah. we, I think we were at, uh, going into night one of the RNC when we were here last week and we mm-hmm. said, you know, uh, much of this stuff was expected, but it didn't seem that bad. And maybe they're going to keep it calm. And then they absolutely did not. Uh, the picture you can see next to me here is Kimberly Guilfoyle, who <laughs> I learned this week was like a quiet, subdued girlfriend for Gavin Newsom. Yeah. And just like the perfect little Democrat wife. And then they break up. I, not his wife, but you know, like the I want to be like Jackie. I'm just going to be the quiet. Yeah, and, yeah. And then they break up, and then she starts dating uh, Don Trump Jr. Here, yeah, and turns into this. <laughs> and you know, uh, there's a lot of stories going around. I think we're we're going to mention Charlotte Kirk in a little bit. Like, uh, but I see a little bit of that in this, where it's just like, all right, what kind of man am I dating here? All right, she, he. I need to be brassy. I need to be like. Uh, uh, look like I'm drunk and did an eight ball right before I go on stage. <laughs> Great. I I uh, I was amazed by the characters that showed up at the RNC. I mean, most of them were Trump family or people who worked in the administration. Yeah. Uh, or crazy. I mean, we got McConnell at one point. Uh, you know, we got Tim Scott and we got uh, what was her face? The Nikki Haley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of revisionist history that was going on throughout the course of this. There was a lot of straight out line that was happening during the I was, course I of this. I feel like Mitch McConnell, somebody made him a deal to get him there. He didn't really want to be there, but somebody was like, listen, you might lose that race. I got some money. You want me to run some ads? I just well, the so uh, I, I did happen to catch McConnell's I, I didn't bit. Li- I didn't listen to I can't Listen, Corey, I have already have, I'm very tired already. I have yeah. a problem sleeping. I was worried. That if I watch McConnell's speech, I lose a whole night of work. I fall asleep and then not wake up till the morning. He uh, he he played it from a from a far more uh, old school conservative Republican approach uh, than this the is other. A really <laughs> important election for all of us. Well, so the one line he did have, which I I, I will give like a slight kudos to whoever wrote this one because okay. I never even thought about it until this moment, mm-hmm. uh, where he was just like. You know, I'm the only person in the leadership of the Congress who isn't from New York or California. And, you know, I take that very seriously because that means I represent everyone who's in between those two spots in the country. Damn. And I'm just like, God damn you, Mitch McConnell. That's good. How did you pay for somebody who pay, who made you that line? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then you don't even think about it, too. I mean, like, you think Chuck and Nancy, New York, and, yeah. and then you think Kevin McCarthy, and you're just like, oh, damn, it is all California and New yep. York. Uh, but also, uh, he is a multimillionaire yeah. who only goes home to Kentucky when he absolutely has to. So, he, to be fair, he lives in D.C. He yeah. lives oh, in yeah. D.C. 
and goes home to Kentucky. He has an address there. He's he has a property there. in Kentucky that he has to have all his election stuff. Go yes. To. Yeah. Uh, right now just has a pile of mail inside the door because <laughs> he hasn't been home in a while. Uh, Although he probably has been because he's about to lose this election or at risk of losing the election. So God willing. But um, it was uh, so uh, Corey kind of made fun of in the opening there. I believe that was Kimberly Guilfoyle's speech that you were mocking, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there yeah. There was a lot of people shouting and stuff during the RNC, so it's hard to tell. Um, Don Jr. looked like he had just done an eight ball and yeah. then rolled out on stage. Um, I think that Eric is starting to actually model himself after Eric from... My, our cartoon president. I feel like every time I see him, he looks more and more I, and sounds more I and more think like it's just guy. because you have it in your head Could be. that you start thinking about it that way. Well, like Mitch McConnell uh, doesn't sound like well, that, but that's the guy. It's just like a, a, a John Oliver was doing the Gilbert Godfrey doing Jared Kushner's voice. Yeah. And now anytime I see him about to talk, I start thinking about the like, and my day. <laughs> that's going to come out. Even though I know Jared Kushner doesn't sound like he's, that. He's very calm, and he just talks <laughs> like he's a blue blood from... I just like to have poor people in my apartments and keep them in uh, indentured servitude forever. So I don't want to get too much into like all the bullet points of why the RNC was terrible. Uh, there are plenty of supercut videos that will show you the worst of the worst. So, you know, all about it. Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, big thanks to Roberto for ruining my day by sending <laughs> the scariest supercut of the RNC. There are, there are a couple of things I would like to, to bring up. Yeah. First of all, uh, living in a place where coronavirus is a very real threat. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime I see somebody without a mask, I have a a like physical shudder within a visceral me. reaction. Yes, I could get into an elevator with my mask on, and somebody walks in without their mask on, and I get very nervous. And I start thinking about the worst case scenario of somebody else that I interact with getting sick and giving it to their grandmother, and blah blah blah, and they die, and everyone is heartbroken because of something that I did. I'm the fault? proxy for which this happened. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. And even though it's not my fault, no, it is I, your fault. You're absolutely <laughs> your fault. I feel bad because I had some part to play yeah. in it. Um, and seeing groups of people without masks do not make me feel like coronavirus is over. It makes me feel like this is a lot of people who are about to get sick. And this seems like a lot of grandparents and people yeah. who are in like the worst possible demographic to be out and about especially at like you know there was the one at the white house which was bad but there's also the one at fort mchenry where yeah. uh pence had people like packed in to make it look like there's no big deal even though if you're having a speech at fort mchenry clearly there's a, a big deal because this would normally happen at a stadium yeah so, like <laughs> I, i'm aware that there's not as much of a crowd for some reason also baltimore you let him come in and get back out what's it's wrong with you <laughs> got to be the national parks who allowed that to no but 300 murders a year and you can't you, get, you let this guy get in and out of town i guess he's he, that's why it's fort mckenney right come in on 95 jump off do your speech jump back on 95 and you're back out go back to go back to slim charles talking to stringer bell and it's just like you want to take out a politician man we ain't we ain't geared up for that <laughs> yeah but it's baltimore now downtown uh, clay davis <laughs> have you seen uh hotel artemis no. Oh, okay. Well, I just imagine that Baltimore now, since we've been gone for so long, I'm yeah. just imagining it like L.A. in Hotel Artemis. And okay. so watch it, and then just you know, yeah, just say what I mean. Uh, number two, mm. uh, we could argue all day about Hatch Act and what is and what isn't a violation of the Hatch Act. Uh, traditionally, the president and the vice president are not are immune to Hatch Act violations in this regard. 
uh, for political speeches, you mean? For yeah, yeah, like so the idea of him hosting it in the in front of the White House and uh, any other president during a pandemic who wants to hold it an election event at the White House, I'm like, he's he's staying inside. That's fine. Yeah, the 1,500 people you brought in now, I got a problem with it. Like, okay, we can argue we can argue finer points of what yeah. where the Hatch Act begins and ends. Uh, to me, the the one thing that is completely unacceptable and uh, I am not happy about is that Mike Pompeo took time during a a a long advertisement for uh, somebody running for office to take the time to endorse and speak up Donald Trump's great uh, great accomplishments. Mm-hmm. The Secretary of State does not speak at these events. The Secretary no. of State is the person who is supposed to be much like. You know, like when we talk about like the director of the FBI or the CIA or something like that, these are people who you work with as yep. president. You have daily communication with, but there needs to be an arm's length uh, relationship between the two of you. Yeah. Because he is not, he doesn't work for you. He works for the American people. He just reports to you. He's the chief diplomat for the country. Yes. And the idea being that he could eventually go to a di- another country and be like, listen, this president has this policy. However, it's in our national interest to do something slightly different. I mean, hypothetically, uh, you know, as part of being secretary of state, he might have to have a conversation with the president about something that he learns. Yep. So like if he, you know, went to, I don't know, Russia and found out that they were, uh, trying to PP tape of you. They were trying to, uh, interfere with our election in some sort of way. Wait, wait, a a secretary of state. They were walking down the line of it's too crazy. I know it's a ridiculous scenario, but stick with me for a minute. Uh, in a in a world where this sort of awful thing would happen, the Secretary of State would go right up to the president and be like, "I've heard through our intermediaries and, and my conversations with other diplomats around the world that this is happening. Yeah, it's a violation of the law. What are you? Is this true? And then they would have to, you know, that might escalate to more mm-hmm. more problems for the president because. He does the, the Secretary of State, while part of the cabinet, part of mm-hmm. the you know, part of the, being picked by the president, does not work for the. He no. works for us. Yeah, uh, and the fact that we're showing video of him from Jerusalem talking about how great Trump is is a big problem for me. Yeah, because that's not what he's. It'd be like uh, if uh, John Roberts came onto the RNC. Yeah, and gave a speech about how great Trump was. Yeah, then I'd have a real problem with that. You don't work for. <laughs> He doesn't work for you. Also, you are supposed to be an independent body that does not operate within the political. Could you means. have picked a worse spot? Yes, Trump yeah. moved the uh, embassy to uh, Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. Yeah, which upset a billion Muslims, and now you, Secretary of State, who are supposed to be our chief diplomat, are going to go to that place in Jerusalem to rub it in. Yeah, and essentially rub it in and be like, we should give him another four years because he's doing such a great job. <laughs> um. By the way, not, uh, uh, regardless of the fact that of who is Secretary of State, uh, Mike Pompeo is not the flashy showman that necessarily <laughs> brings the house down. So I don't know if his contribution was necessarily uh, needed in this moment. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, it would be a lot like if uh, we had a chief of our strategic arms. So the people, the guy who runs all the nuclear weapons go to Taiwan and then talk about how Trump was being tough on China. <laughs> Not a good look. And yeah. that guy actually does work for the president. He doesn't necessarily work for us. It's just not good. But and then the other thing is it putting the equation of 
Pompeo in Jerusalem, Pence at Fort McHenry, the crazy couple who pulled guns on protesters. Yeah, like, yeah that they're all equal. And uh, my son's girlfriend, because somehow she gets a damn stage. I don't, I don't understand. It's it's a. Uh, to me, the most amazing part is that you might not agree with the opposing political party. You might be a Democrat. You don't agree with how Republicans think of things, right? Yeah. Uh, for a long time, I knew people who were, you know, Republicans, but they had problems with within their own party, like you mean uh, rhinos. The yeah, rhinos, Corey. Exactly. Uh, but at the end of the day, the convention was meant to be a place where. Uh, we put away our differences a little bit and we try and welcome as many people in. And put think the about it, away and we come Think out. about it as like a welcoming party to people who show up to, like, uh, uh, you just come to this college, right? Uh, Non-COVID area. So, like, we're having a big party and all the people, all the incoming freshmen are coming to this party. Uh, Do you feel that? Is there an earthquake going on? I don't know. It feels weird. Mm-hmm. Waiting for it. I feel like a rumble and my drink is moving. Oh. It could have been traffic, though. It might be traffic, but it's yeah. like I got one consistent. Are you touching the table? Yeah. Is that it? Nope. Still moving. I think there's an earthquake happening right now. Oh. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, we got one live. Yay. <laughs> it reminds me of that time where we had the, the super loud thunder on the. Oh, yeah. the <laughs> wow. It's like, oh, we have angered God. <laughs> um, oh, maybe God's a Republican. <laughs> maybe he doesn't like us talking about Pompeo. That makes sense. His son, <laughs> I, <laughs> son is a brown skin, long hair hippie. Of course, yeah. <laughs> dad's going to be a Republican. That makes sense. Uh, moving on. Uh, our final little bit here of the, of the show. Uh, moving into four-year consideration. You want to make your joke about the drop right now? No, or? no, go ahead. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I, I know it's it. fine. I know it's your favorite part of the show. I, we have something solemn to talk about this time, yeah. so I'll keep it serious. Uh, so, yes, this this uh, past week we lost Chadwick Boseman. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about it in the – first of all, the, I I was completely caught off guard by this this moment. I, did he tell anybody? Did we heard this? Cause, like, no, I, I don't think anybody I, knew. His yeah, family I, knew, but that was it. Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, like he he would have been going through cancer throughout Black Panther, throughout every Avengers. appearance in like, the Marvel Universe. He was fighting cancer. Yeah. Like uh, unbelievable. Like yep. to, to, to think about it in that regard. Well, and I, I saw an interview with somebody in his family who just said when he found out and then sometime thereafter they offered him Black Panther and he knew how much that would mean to black boys and girls all across the world and how mm. it could go wrong if the wrong person portrayed it. And he thought like, I can do this. Yeah. Like he, Jack, he was uh Jackie Robinson. He was, um, Oh man. Uh, rock and roll. Um, get on up. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember the name of the guy from get on up though. <sighs> I know. Yeah. I, I have it like on the tip of my tongue. Mm. But I can't. Anyway. Uh, so he handled that kind of like very important role before portraying yeah. a real person and doing it very well. So he basically was just like, no, I, I have to do it because it has to be handled right so that this is exactly what it became. Like pictures of little black boys and girls all across the country doing the Wakanda salute with their well, I, action figures. And, you know, that's that's the thing I think that uh, is really like not only did he in a short time create a a incredible career's worth of roles. Like if, if he died at 80, 
and we were just saying 42 yeah. get on a black panther so like his current filmography you would be like he had an incredible run yep uh and to do it in a fraction of the time is just a a, a applause worthy for him and i every every so often this week i was thinking back to uh things that happened during the promotion of black panther and one that specifically happened where they would get people after the screening and they would say like, you know, like, hey, talk to this camera and say like why you like Black Panther so much. And they would have like, you know, kids like going like, you know, like I've never seen a superhero who looked like me up on the screen. It's so amazing. I can't, you know, the, the, this is so, so unlike anything I've ever seen before. And then, you know, Chadwick's like sneaking in behind and like in, their, in the middle of their things, he's like putting his hands on their shoulders. And they're just like, oh, my God. And it's like love and mm-hmm. every like the way that he could impact people and the incredible class that people speak of just in his day-to-day life and his character and like going to visit how he cared to people. Yeah. Going to visit cancer patients when you are dying from cancer yeah. and just being like, ain't about me. I'm here to improve their lives. That's yeah. what I'm here for. Like, uh, it's, he will be missed greatly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm just I'm sad we didn't get Black James Bond because clearly if there's a dude who could be Black James Bond, it, the guy who's fighting cancer and is like, no, nah, I got to go do this Marvel thing because I yeah. got to establish something for people like me all across the world. OK, you know, and it, it's, you know, for a while early on in his career, because I think the first thing I had seen him from was 42. Yeah. And I remember I had problems with 42 for a while because. Uh, Jackie had a very particular voice. Yeah. And I, I, I think told it's you been th- well documented. I think you've talked about it on the podcast. I probably have. The only complaint you had about the, the movie only, was that. Yeah. I liked, I liked the movie a lot. The voice threw me. Yeah. Um, and I heard him on, uh, some podcast not too long ago. Uh, you know, like within the last year or something like that. And they talked about 42 mm-hmm. and, uh, the voice came up. It's just like, well, did you ever think about doing Jackie's voice and stuff like that? And it's like something we talked about. But we were worried that it's so unique that they would worry about whether or not I can maintain it mm-hmm. and like make it seem like I'm do- like, you know, much like if you were doing an accent, like I had to do a British accent for this role. You don't want it to if fall you, off. If you can things. do it a little bit every once in a while, then it's not good enough to be yeah. the thing you do throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And if it's going to be inconsistent, it's not worth doing throughout the entire movie. And the story of Jackie Robinson is so much more important than the voice that he had. It also has a uh, bit of that um, uh, the the characters who uh, uh, white guys doing black face uh, dang, can't remember what they're called it starts with an M. Um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. so uh, back in vaudeville, when white guys would play black guys and they have they do it in blackface, um, they would do this high pitched voice like, "Hey there, Mister." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I remember that uh, there was an interview where he was talking about that he was concerned that it, it would come off more like uh, I keep saying oh, menstrual, menstrual. I yeah. was thinking mandolin, but it's not mandolin. Yeah. Minstrel. It yeah. would come off more minstrel because people didn't know that's what Jackie Robinson sound like. Yeah, and uh, he was, so it was better just to keep it in his voice, can maintain that all the way through. Yeah, without getting all minstrelly and without uh, having it fall through and not be accurate. So. Yeah, and uh, I it, it's just a. Uh, a really sad day. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, it always, I guess he wouldn't have wanted the pity party of people knowing and like bringing it up all the time. Like I can maybe imagine. he just wanted to, to 
have this private and not <laughs> out there. Uh, but it, it really, in, in a world where you don't feel like that shot to the gut that much, yeah, like that sort of felt like it in a way, you know, like I think also that his wife or his daughter, I think, was on CNN, and they were just like <clears throat> part of his message was go get screened. Yeah, he th- he found out later after he, it had been <clears throat> developing for a while because. Uh, one thing that black men don't get screened for is for colon cancer. And by the way, white men don't get screened for it either. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather died from it. My dad has had it before. So with two people, two generations of my family having essentially had colon cancer, my dad, they caught it before it became a tumor before it was cancerous. Yeah. He just got polyps. The doctors recommend starting at 40. And I'm like, seems a little late. You re- I really shouldn't get into that earlier. Well, I mean, there, there, there's, scientific evidence that maybe that should move up substantially yep. because there's a lot more growth in uh colorectal cancer and people who are in their 20s and 30s mm-hmm. than there had been previously funny thing insurance so, didn't cover it and well, it, yeah. it's like a two thousand dollar procedure and i'm like you want me to pay two thousand dollars for a colonoscopy there's I'll, I'll wait to 40 thanks there's one where you like shit in a box isn't there Th- so and, like if- send it in Sorry, was was that too? No, was that too too crude for you? That is a very <laughs> apt way of putting. <laughs> yes, there is a test where you shit in a box and then send it in the mail, and then uh, you get results back. But the problem is, so my my grandfather is that like a pre-screening thing though? It's, like, no, it's not. It's if you have cancerous cells, it picks uh, it up. Gotcha, but it doesn't pick up the pre-cancerous polyps. And that's the thing. Like my dad never had to worry about it because anytime he had any kind of polyp, they picked it up and they clip it off and it doesn't get a chance to become cancerous. But uh, the the pre-screening tests don't pick up precancerous. They only pick up, hey, you got something going on. Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. in and take a look. So even if you do that, you could do that all the way up until, and they're like, oh, cancer cells. And it's like, oh, yeah. So turns out you had 19 polyps and they all kind of became cancerous at the same time. So... We're going to have to take the whole colon now. Yeah. Instead of the, get the polyp early. And, and that's so one of the things, that, again, back to the shit in the box. Uh, <laughs> the thing that his daughter, whose wife, I can't remember who it was, uh, who was on CNN, was just like, listen, uh, push your doctor to do early screenings. For people who are not, uh, don't have it in their family at all, it's 55. It's 40 for me because I have like pre existing family. Yeah. I'm like 55, but it's a growing issue amongst. Late, especially in your late thirties and early forties, and uh, so people should go get tested. It's yeah, one of the, I, he's forty three, and he's been fighting it for four or five years now. So like thirty nine, he was yeah. diagnosed, and I'm sure he had good insurance. Well, he had the Actors Guild insurance, so yeah. it's that kind of thing. Like, well, I mean, like you, you know, you 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 say to yourself too, like in your mind, like a celebrity has the money and resources in which to have doctors who can get on top of this sort yeah. of thing. If you're if you're aware and it can slip past even someone on his level yeah. or someone of his resources. So it sucks. Yeah. By the way, a colonoscopy is the worst. It's like the worst 48 hours you ever have to live through every single year. Yeah. Or every other year, depending on, but it's terrible, but do it. Yeah. Cause otherwise you're going to die and it's not good. And two super quick things on four year yeah. consideration before we get out. Uh, it was announced this week that there is going to be a West Wing reunion. Yes. On, uh, Happier news. Yes. So 
on HBO Max at some point before the election, I was told. And uh, by the way, for the racists out there, it's Dulé Hill, not Chadwick Boseman, who is on West Wing. I know I was having people, you would think that, but Dulé Hill's the guy from Psych. He's also on the West Wing. Were you seeing people say like, oh, I loved him on the West Wing, talking no, about Chadwick no, I, Boseman I, people? But or? A, apparently there were pictures of some local news, apparently, it, like it does with every... Yeah. I, mean, I, I shouldn't say just black people. It happens with white people too. But it, just putting up pictures of random black celebrity who's not Chadwick Boseman. Like, yeah. The guy's Black Panther. You <laughs> don't know who that is. Um but just putting up the wrong the wrong face. But yeah, Dulé Hill is is from West Wing. I do I do wonder sometimes if uh uh somewhere in a like file catalog of like you know if you need to write a story about like Chadwick Boseman real quick yeah and you go into the to the uh public domain or like the to the Wikipedia no well to the to the list of pictures you have to oh, pull yeah. for New York Times to put on sure like maybe just a Dulé Hill is mislabeled. Mm-hmm. And some guy just goes like, oh, this is a really good picture. <laughs> just like doesn't know the person and just like puts it on the article. And it's like, well, and the problem, the the argument. I, for sometimes why they, sometimes I feel like this isn't necessarily the problem of the person who posted the thing as it is the. And that, that, so they, what they, they keep saying that the problem is, is somebody writes the story. Somebody pulls the pictures. Yeah. And then a person who has no idea what either of these things are, but is like, this is the space I need. Make it look pretty. Doesn't read the story. Just here's the picture. All right, I'm going to size it down and wrap yeah. the story around and post. And then like, so we just were out of touch because the person who got the picture didn't know that it was mislabeled. Story, person put it together, n- no final check, just yeah. went straight out, and then we used the wrong picture. So Yeah, but I'm, I'm super excited for the West Wing, even so, if it is one singular episode. I didn't read anything. Are they picking up where they left off, or is it 2020? Because he would have been out of office a long time at this point. I mean... So I had heard Sorkin talking about the idea of maybe doing like a limited series of the original cast, mm-hmm. like with the idea that maybe it would transition into another West Wing story. You could tell with new presidents and new sure. uh, staffers and stuff like that. Uh, but I would imagine that they're they're probably getting together for like a one time event mm-hmm. uh, in the at the end of the West Wing. No spoiler here, but at the end of the West Wing. There's a moment where the cast reassembles like far in the future after the presidency is over uh, at the dedication of the The Bartlett Library. Library. Yeah. So, you know, it was like a we're we're cutting ahead. It was the end of the first scene in the last season where it's just like, oh, the president has arrived and the doors open and then it's just white. And then it's like into the theme song. Yeah. So (laughs) it was like teasing the presidency, like who won the president. But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just excited in general. I, I'm I'm willing to take whatever they give me because I I think that it, they'll know how to do this in a proper way. Also, I'm up for more West Wing. If you want to yeah. do, we are sometime in because by the way, the the West Wing had the off. It was like 2002 was when Jed Bartlett was elected. Yeah. Like it didn't make sense. But if you want to go, Jed Bartlett's the elder statesman coming in and meeting the new Democratic president. Before he goes to office and we're getting a like, oh, yeah, I got this guy. Okay, Leo's dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Leo's dead. He can't be there. But like Josh and Josh was in my White House. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I heard that he had helped you out with the campaign a little bit. And you know, Toby. CJ. And like they all just kind of come in. Yeah. And it's our introduction to like all of these people we love. And then who, the counterparts like who's your communications person? And it's uh Kristen, what's her name? Kristen Bell is the, you know, the new communications person. You're like, oh, wow, that's fine. And then we got a new West Wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it'll make me happy that no matter what happens in November, I'll have a Democrat in, in the White House on the, the show. You so. know, the, the problem is that it's uh, the West Wing was never really like the most authentic show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it felt a little bit Democrat fever dream. Uh, and I don't know how <laughs> you would be able to. At the time where the West Wing came out it was kind of like the the last time in American history where you can make a show like that and it still be believable. Yeah. Where yeah. like Republicans are just like people we have to get through to get to the eventual end of the, you know, we negotiate with them in good faith and stuff like that. Like a version of the West Wing in this time and place would not be, you know, <laughs> it's like the old David Simon line. Like, why don't you why don't you write about Baltimore anymore? It's because I don't write comedies. <laughs> But, I mean, you could turn it more into, like, a war series. Like, instead of nah. having Sorkin write it, get uh, uh, Catherine Bigelow to write the new <laughs> West Wing. And then it makes more sense, right? Like, you're in, the, you're in the war room, and it's like, who are we bombing? Republicans. That's where we're going after. <laughs> we're going headhunting. I mean, I think that would work. Uh, honestly, I just want... There's no good political shows right now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that we're not going to make cop shows anymore or prosecutor shows. Other than they'll they'll be back. It's only a matter of time before Law and Order comes back for there. So Law and Order is going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, SVU and Criminal Intent. Yeah. The other one's probably gone. Yeah. Let's hope for good. Uh, but uh, let's replace that with political shows. And you know what? I take it back. Let's make it the West Wing so that people have a good example of like what it's like. Listen. <laughs> Well, we, the, the problem is we have to have Sorkin for that. Yeah. Because when we side. don't have Sorkin, it's not quite the same show. I yeah. loved it still, but I'm saying it's Aaron, not quite the same I'm, show. Listen, I'm asking you. What we need is we need a show where you see the Democrats say, we got to come to a way to, of agreement. Mm -hmm. We believe two very different things, but can mm -hmm. we compromise? And the compromise isn't us going 99% of the way and the other party going one. It's <laughs> an actual compromise. Yeah. And maybe if a new generation of people watch that show, they'll be like, this oh, is what politics can be like. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be like. And then things will change. Uh, and Andy Harris will get voted out. Anyway. <laughs> I love right. that last part. <laughs> <laughs> nice little touch. Um, Last little thing. Yeah. Uh, there's still more to come on this story, but we wanted to sort of uh, tease it a little bit because uh, at some point it's going to break more and we'll have a lot more to talk about in this regard. But uh, Ron Meyer, who has uh, sort of been colloquially known as like the mayor of Hollywood mm -hmm. because of how uh, long he's been one of the most important people in town uh, from being an agent uh, with the Young Turks uh, when uh, Ovitz started his own, uh, started WME and stuff like that. And uh, most recently being the head of NBC Universal, I'm pretty sure of. Uh, he uh, just recently resigned, uh, uh, citing a uh, extramarital affair he had with an actress by the name of Charlotte Kirk. Mm -hmm. Um and there were some talks that he was having where uh, she was extorting him or trying to extort him in some sort of way. Uh, but he's stepping down uh, because he didn't want to deal with all this. Yeah. And, and he's made enough money. So he's just <laughs> going to go live in the south of France. He's like, okay right. now. Yeah. Uh, but what's so interesting here is that Charlotte Kirk, the woman at the center of this, uh, also had a relationship with Kevin Sushihara who was the head of Sony. You don't say. In a similar, like a year later. He, so Ron Meyer was first and then Tushahara was second. Uh, but he had to step down because of 
complications from his relationship or his affair with her. Oh, weird. Uh, so uh, she people have reached out to Charlotte Kirk uh, trying to get her side of the story, uh, to which she has responded to many uh, media inquiries. Do you pay for interviews? Uh, to which, you know, like Variety and Deadline are like, no. To which real media outlets <laughs> say, no, we don't yeah. pay for the story. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure at some point, Celeb 411 or something like that will have the exclusive. Playboy. Yeah. Somebody who wants to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll get more information there. But it's a very interesting story because it it seems like there's a little bit of like, you know, like I'm dating these people to raise my profile for better roles and stuff like that. And it doesn't, you know, the, 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 there's claims of extortion out there, which is yet to be, uh, we'll see. yet to be proved yeah. in any kind of way. Uh, but that's, that's a pretty outlandish claim to put out there. If there isn't some smoke to that fire. Yeah. You would think that there's going to be something. So, there. uh, something to keep an eye on because this is just going to, I'll, t- I'll tell you with that for a fact in a town like Hollywood, uh, this is going to eventually become a movie one day mm-hmm. because there's no way that one woman takes down these two people without it becoming <laughs> a story like that. And uh, I, I, we, the problem is there's so much that people don't know that it's you don't want to draw to conclusions or uh, make assumptions about anyone involved in this sort of thing. Uh, but there is sort of like this uh, uh, bowfinger part of this where it seems like she's the type of person who like kind of dates up like dates more important people as she goes along uh and uh up the call sheet if you will yes yeah uh which uh is a long time thing that has happened in hollywood and other industries forever um but it i I don't know it's just been a long time since we've had a story like this and it's one of those it, it it's funny because like I used to talk about things that I would hear in Hollywood. Like there would be rumors of Harvey and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And even in Maryland, I knew about it. But there is kind of a difference to like being in town and hearing, yeah. <laughs> hearing about things that are just sort of brewing. So there's it, it, there's so little to report on, but it's like a big story is coming. You know, <laughs> that, it's I, so hard to like you want to talk about it, but you don't know you don't want to be irresponsible. You know, I, I wonder how much it's getting play anywhere else. Because now that we live here, I wonder if it's like, oh, I'm like inside the bubble where it pops up on my Twitter and I see the stories because it's like, oh, you're in Hollywood and also this is happening. And would we even know about it if we were anywhere else? It's it's a it's it's very interesting, though. Yeah. And it's uh, something to keep an eye on. Well, we will report more, but we wanted to sort of like put it out there. Yeah. Uh, speaking about putting it out there, mm-hmm. otheanthem.com, Corey to otheanthem.com, otheanthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. Uh, you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, I have uploaded the new review for Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music. Ooh. Uh, it is uh, just needing the finishing touches before it's live but it's on the youtubes at the moment so uh, i think you could actually see it if you just go to the page if you want to just like sneak a peek real quick before uh, i get the album art and stuff like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, it's all up there for viewing pleasure uh we'll be in podcatchers by the end of the day so 
there's that. The end of the day as you're listening to this, not yes. as you're recording it. Yes, of course. Well, clearly. If you're listening to this on the day that this podcast was released, and why wouldn't you? You will also have a new version of the Corey Baker Filmmaker Movie Reviews podcast as well. Yes. And, of course, you can find me at all your social networks at Robert and Sheik. There it is. I'm going to learn which side it is before we get done with this thing. Um where was I? Uh, at Robert and Cheek on our social networks. You can check out my website, robertandcheek.com, where you can find links to everything that I'm doing, including the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek. Uh, you can find links to the campaign for president. <coughs> Sorry. At Rob Cheek uh, for Prez. And that's all words, unlike Corey's searching <laughs> mentality. It's Rob Cheek, F O R P R E S. Rob Cheek for Prez. Um, Let's see the Everyman Movie Review at Everyman Movie on all social media, and of course you can find those on the YouTube channel. And because I don't have enough going on with ev- doing my two a week Everyman Movie Reviews, um, and I mean Corey, you understand that with your posting two times a week movie reviews as well. That's uh, yeah, exactly what I'm doing. Yes, uh, yeah. but yeah, so Everyman Movie Review twice a week podcast form on Anchor and in YouTube. But now, starting tomorrow or starting today, as you're listening to this, uh, brand new podcast. Rob explains it's a daily podcast uh, discussing and explaining interesting, random and cool things. Uh, we're starting out episode one with galaxies colliding and episode two is going to be the Fujiwara effect. Both things we talked about on an episode a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of bonus <laughs> last ep- week as a matter of was fact. it last week. Yeah. <laughs> time, time has soup. no meaning time soup. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, we'll also on release day, which is today, Tuesday, you're going to find a, uh, the introduction episode, episode one, and three bonus episodes where I talk about trees, sharks, and dogs because Ooh. that's the key to YouTube. <laughs> and I know that. So, trees, sharks, and dogs, make sure you check out the new episodes and they'll be up daily. Subscribe to the podcast uh, and it'll give you five to 10 minutes of a podcast, which I am starting to think is the perfect length. Um, so, check that out. It's uh, at Rob Explains on all social media and Rob Explains uh, on Anchor. Splendiferous. Yes. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. By the way, I'm exhausted explaining the things that I do, <laughs> let alone doing the things that I do. I'm going to inspire you two to work eventually at some point here. I don't know when. but I, uh, was, I was busy all day from the moment that I woke up later than everybody else. <laughs> So I don't want to hear it. And especially with that comment, uh, as always, we've done something. I don't know if it's good. (laughs) (sighs) But as always, this is the O.D. Anthem podcast, um, part of the O.D. Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Please don't listen to the man behind the curtain. Mm.